Hello and welcome. This is Lights Out and away we go with the episode. We're the Formula One podcast for fans and by fans. I'm Will and as I look across the digital garage, as always, I'm joined by my co-driver, or shall I say my co-host Sam. Hello Sam, how are you? Hello Will, hello again listeners. I'm very well, thank you. How was your weekend? Yeah, very good. I've I've played golf for the first time in ages and I've actually played quite well, so it's a miracle. Um, mm. you know, getting into the Formula One you know, driver hobby, quite a few of them play golf, so I thought I'd you know, get that get back into it and it's a nice weekend as well so yeah i was playing with my brother and then i saw uh, the new barbie film on friday night would you know this is not a film podcast but strongly recommend very very funny very good um gets my gets my seal of approval how about you how was your weekend yeah very nice thank you i haven't seen i haven't seen barbie I, I did see oppenheimer last week that was really good to recommend um my weekend was nice lots of time with junior um lots of walks in between the rain and then yeah watch the race this afternoon um but yeah that's been uh a nice weekend actually maybe maybe we should become a film podcast because that'd be a bit more interesting at the moment than than the formula one races <laughs> I, do you know what i did think as uh as we were watching it i was like oh it's funny that this track's called spa because i do feel very relaxed watching this race almost to a point where i could take a nap well um i'll, I'll admit now i did i did take a 10 minute nap i just, did you i just my eyes just went and i was gone <laughs> and then I, it was the towards the end of the race i didn't miss anything but yeah it was you like say it was very relaxing but that's probably not what what formula one should be no, no, relaxing, relaxing for us on the telly. I'm not sure it was as relaxing for uh, the the many fans. Martin Brundle interview during the little pre preamble yeah. before the race started, which was um, which was what pretty bants, wasn't it? What did you make of it? Uh, I don't think they'll do it again. No, <laughs> it wasn't like it's. I kind of I, I like the concept of it, but uh, I mean, fan, fans of sports tend to be a bit fun, like a bit funny anyway. But the ones that go as well, like they're super committed. Obviously, they've spent a significant amount of money going, and a lot of the time they've probably been drinking through the afternoon because they've been waiting for a race to start and it's been chucking it down with rain. There's probably not a huge amount else to do, waiting around on the hills in in Belgium. So yeah, it did feel a little bit like uh, I don't know, like a kind of like a dad. Like a middle-aged dad trying to interview a load of rambunctious like <laughs> of his children's mates or whatever, and it was just a bit like, no, Martin doesn't look very comfortable doing this at no. all. And he made um, he made a point that was quite like felt like he was reading off a script when he was being like, you know, because you you fans, you're the reason why we're all here. We wouldn't do it. It's like, what, what are you what are you trying to prove? Uh, do, do you reckon like a producer at Sky is like, you know what? I'm fed up of all these celebrities being rude or ignoring us. Let's let's go to the fans because that's where we're going to get the real content, and then. And then to test it on a not very like you're not certain how many English speakers there are mm. was was quite hard. I did feel really sorry for Martin just going. Anyone speak English live on TV? Um, yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah, exactly. That was yeah. That that was very kind of Brit abroad vibe, wasn't yeah. it? It's quite yeah. funny. Um, yeah, I do. I do. I, I half wonder if they maybe looked at the roster of celebrities and in inverted commas that were going to be at Spa and decided, nah. Yeah, uh, it's not really different. one that doesn't. It's not really one that tends to attract. A-listers is it it's in the middle of nowhere no. facilities are a bit uh few and far between let's say and it chucks it down with rain most years so, so yeah. i don't know how popular it is but um, i reckon i reckon they should try, if they're going to try it again try it in austin with all mm. you know everyone's gonna be up drinking you know it's gonna be massive trailer parks now gonna everyone's gonna be quite crazy for that and you know you're guaranteed english speakers or maybe vegas that could be quite good as well um Maybe, although if they do Vegas, they will miss all the celebrities because that's the one they're uh, yeah. probably all likely to go to, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, f- I feel like Vegas is going to be the, a massive event. I mean, we've talked about it a couple of times throughout our episodes, but I feel like that the, that feels like one of the biggest sort of races in recent four one years of sort of of going to a new place. It feels like a real 
real event. And I think there's a lot of hype with the drivers as well. They're looking forward to it as well. Mm, definitely. So we should talk about the race then. And let's let's get through our uh, standard question then. <laughs> let's do it. So, Sam, who won the race? Well, Will, the fastest driver in the fastest car won. Do you know what? I'm I'm tempted to try and do this in an Australian accent because I've been listening to uh, Test Match Special a lot the last little while with the cricket on, obviously. And there's a commentator called Jim Maxwell. He's brilliant. Um, but he's he's taken to kind of leading the radio broadcast when the shipping forecast comes on. And he right. gets really excited about it. So he, like, And it's turned into a bit of a thing for him. It's like his kind of regular daily and now we go to the shipping forecast. Like, takes it, he takes it really seriously. Um, do, half... do, you, do, you me, do you want me to ask you again? So no, you know next time, next time. We'll, we'll okay. have another opportunity, I'm sure. Um, okay. Probably yeah. quite a few, actually. Um, yeah, I think you've got another at least 10 more opportunities. At least. Yeah. No, it was another very, very dominant weekend for Red Bull and Max Verstappen. Yeah. So yeah. here we are. And what, what do you make of another Max Verstappen win? This is his uh, seventh, eighth consecutive win in a row. I think so. Yeah, he's getting close to leveling with Vettel, isn't he? He's yeah, got, he levels. It, he levels. That's it. Correct. He levels nine at Zandorf, and then he'll break it, as we expect him to break it at yeah. Monza. Yes. Um, I mean, he he is in sparkling form. It's kind of yeah. there's definitely a you know the team is clearly very good. The car is clearly very good, but the, the, it's the, we talked about this so many times this podcast. Like the the kind of unity between car and per and driver is critical um for success in formula one and they've just like they, they just look like they've got it absolutely nailed at the moment and you know you can only beat what's in front of you but max is basically doing it at a canter at the moment and he, he gave his teammate a six place five, five place head start or something yeah and absolutely roasted him um beat him by 22 seconds so <laughs> it's just kind of uh yeah it's it's utter utter dominance at the moment i think until we see a re- well we won't see anything significant this year i think everybody is now just praying that yeah other teams come come good next year and we, we get some closer racing at the front but yeah. and to, be, to beat your teammate by 22 seconds having started sixth and they started second mm. that is that is an absolute spanking of of checo isn't it yes yes it is i mean <laughs> it's interesting because the car is so dominant and with max in it he is so dominant and he is, you know, a level above. We, we, we've not we've not seen many opportunities because of Checo of them really race against one another. Another, I think the last time they, they passed each other was in Miami where yeah. almost the exact same thing happened where Max is, is just so much more confident and, you know, got the car so much more attacking with it that, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how they both behave in the same car and you know we've obviously seen Checo really struggle over the last couple of races and you know struggle to get to Q3 which he's now seemed to have broken and he seemed to you know manage to lead the race mm. for a period which was which was I think Christian Horner was quite relieved to see yeah but uh you know the golfing the golfing skill and class you know just the way they overtake it it looked like Max was overtaking one of the other people in the team it wasn't you know it wasn't anyone else, sorry one of the other teams not his own teammate who's got the exact same machinery he has. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you saw this at the end of the the race, uh, Natalie Pinkham asked Martin Brundle, so do you know what, what do you think Checo will make of this performance? And Martin Brundle was sort of really thought about it for a good five, five or 10 seconds. And I think he sort of said that's to, to be outperformed by your teammate in that way is actually really like, it's going to damage his confidence quite a bit. And it's obviously going to give him a lot to sort of reflect about over the summer break. And yes, he's got back on the podium, but to be on the end of that, I think he's, it must hurt really. You know, Checo, you kind of, you can't be happy with a second place when you've just been absolutely spanked like that. 
Yeah, and and I think Helmut Marco made some classic Helmut Marco type comment uh, as well after the race. Basically, it was it was either after the race or maybe after the sprint, where he basically said Checo needs to make his peace with the fact that he's never going to beat Max. Yeah. Um, and he's, is, not, and he's not. And he's right. not. And he's not. And he's probably right. I mean, it's not. It's not what you want to hear as a racing driver. And it's not what we want to hear as fans because we want to. We want to see competition up front. And Toto was making that comment uh, again today, actually, when they were talking about um, comparing the Red Bull dominance with Mercedes. And his fir- the first thing he said was, "Well, we always had two competitive drivers in the car. It was always a bit of a contest for a while, at least." Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So it's um, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty pretty dominant, isn't it? Really, I mean. Broken, yeah. they've broken the McLaren record. It will probably go on a bit further, oh, wow. I suspect, um, and that record will stand for a long time, I imagine. It, it's just you know, I watched the um, they they sort of tease the upcoming races, and I just sat there and thinking, you know, you just you know, just going to see Max win every race, aren't we? Like George called it after the first race. We are we are going to see it, and it's it is really damaging the sport. I think it's you know, I I love Formula One. I'm massively passionate about it. I follow it really closely. I sat there and watched that race today and thought, well, I know exactly what's going to happen. I was texting you and I texted a couple of people saying, you know, what lap do you think Max will take the league? And everyone was sort of saying within five, within 10. And, yeah. it, you know, it, it, it happened. It's just it's, the sport is just really, really struggling as an as a sort of a sport and something to watch, entertain and, and engage with when there is no contest at all for wins. And, yeah. uh, you know, it feels it feels crazy that we're 12 races in and every race has been won by the same team. Yeah. That, that, that feels like mad. And the fact, and the way they won it as well, I think is, you know, it's not like they've only just nicked it. They've, they've won it by an absolute canter. And I think they could have won it by more if they, if they really wanted to. Yeah, definitely. No, what we're halfway through the season and they've won what Red Bull have won 22 out of the last 23 races now, haven't they? And the only one they yeah. didn't win was George Russell winning in Brazil because Max, um, prioritized driving into Lewis instead of, uh, keeping it on the keeping it on the racetrack so yeah it's yeah i mean if you look at it in those terms that's basically an entire season one team has won a race yeah. right and then, yeah, yeah. Who, who's to say it won't happen over the course of this full season anyway i mean we're placing a lot of hope in uh, other teams to catch up a little bit or some unreliability to hit max primarily out there i don't think unreliability hitting checo is going to cause much uh damage really but um yeah, fingers fingers crossed. We see some upgrades and some developments and stuff over the summer, and things can be a bit closer towards the end of the season. But yeah, for now, it looks like the run will never end. No. Um, should I talk a bit about Max again? Because uh, I have awarded him my Latifi this oh, week. Oh, very good. Is this, <laughs> is this Max's first Latifi? I think so. Yeah, oh, I don't wow. think. I mean, we neither of us have had any reason to give him one, have we, so far? Because no. he's just been so much better than everybody else. Um, so, we can't, we can't hold him responsible for. To, he's not done anything to to anger or upset the goat so far. So uh, no, definitely good. not. Uh, well, well, um, well there's been a few small, small, a few small things, but yeah. not, not, not. You know, if this was if this was 2021, <laughs> I think he would have ended up having like double ones from both of us every weekend. <laughs> probably. No, you're probably right. Um, no, I'm giving him my Latifi for being an absolute pest on the radio for two days or three days. Oh, very good. I, I, like you, I like you picked that because I think that needs addressing. It does need addressing, I think. So it's not it's not easy being a race engineer anyway. Like racing drivers are a bit... Uh, well, I don't know what to describe them as prima donnas, but they're very needy, aren't mm. they, really, as a, as a group in and general. Strongly, strongly opinionated as well. They have a yeah, really they, clear view of what, of what should happen. Of course, look, yeah. Look, and, like, the grid. and they're driving the cars. like They have an understanding of the strategy as well themselves. And this is why you know, we talked about Science and Ferrari last week. He's basically making up his own strategy as he goes along. And that does sometimes happen. And there are some drivers who aren't like that. And they're the ones that I tend to love, like 
Hakkinen, Raikkonen, or as it stands at the moment, Oscar Piastri, who we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but no, I'm giving him a Latifi for being a, an absolute pain in the ass on the radio all week. And um, he gave Jan-Pierre Lambiassi a really, really hard time. So they had a bit of an argument, actually, during qualifying on the radio, which you don't really hear too often. I'd have thought they'd have gone to some kind of private yeah, setting yeah. for that kind of conversation, but they didn't. Um, and to be fair, I think Lambiassi... Uh, came out on top in that particular exchange because Max was moaning about uh, basically only being in P10 during Q2 and making it through to the shootout. Um, but it was because Max absolutely gunned it on his first lap and then wanted to do a second uh, a second one immediately afterwards. But the car, yeah, they wouldn't have been recharged. And it, 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 all it meant was that it just cost him a bit of time. And yes, he okay, he nearly got knocked out. But let's face it, even if he got knocked out in Q2, he'd have still won the race from 11th or 12th or wherever. So it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things over the course of a weekend. But yeah, he absolutely laid into the uh, strategy team and Lambiassi on the radio. And then Lambiassi basically said to him, okay, Max, you tell us what you want to do then <laughs> for Q3. I rate that a lot. I rate that um, a lot. Because that, like, that Red Bull strategy team, as seemingly always, uh, were absolutely right. Um, and if if Max had done it his way, he wouldn't have had a charged battery. And that, that's worth a significant amount of horsepower. And la, 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 la. Anyway, he was wrong about that. Um, and then he was getting really chippy on the radio during the race today. I don't know if you caught any of that. Um, yeah, where, that. like, uh, first of all, we got really chippy about the fact that he was closing up to the Checo and looking like he was going to make an overtake. This is in the first stint, I think it was. Um, and then they were arguing about uh, playing by the rules, I think. Yeah, and Max che- was like, oh, only if Checo, is Checo going to do that? Yeah, and, th- and didn't Lambiassi say... Just use your head. Just use your head. Or yeah. Like, like, yeah. 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 And just, basically, yeah. use your head and just do what we tell you, and you'll win the race. Like, mm. chill. Chill was essentially the message. Um, so, yeah, that happened. And then he came in for his um, final stop, put the soft tire on, put in an, like, an unbelievable outlap that was totally unnecessary because he was going to end up in the lead of the race anyway and, like, got the tires really hot. And obviously, all the sensors in the Red Bull HQ are going off. And it looks like, I'm sure it looks like Chernobyl right before it goes <laughs> off. You know, like, the tires are suddenly going red. And it's like, <laughs> what is he doing? Like, um, so they told him off for that. And then he was like, he didn't say anything to that. And then he built a 22 second lead, um, absolutely like gunning it again, like burning through the tires on quite a high degradation circuit. And they're basically telling him, like, Max, come on, like, you, you're going to burn through the tires. And Max was basically saying, well, no, if I keep building a gap, we'll do another pit, pit stop. And let's give the pit crew a test or whatever. It's like as if they need a test, you know, like they are the fastest pit crew on the lane. They never screw up. No. Every pit stop they do is under two and a half seconds. It's like yeah. they are the best in the business. They don't need uh, it. was just, yeah, the whole the whole weekend. He was just being a bit of a brat, I think. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, after the tire thing and at the end of the race, I was like, oh, do you know what? He's been at this all weekend. I'm, I'm going to give him a Latifi for it because it's just like he's totally dominating a world championship. He's got the best car that's been made probably for 25 years or something in the sport. Um, and he's going off on one of every session about God knows what. And you just a bit like, come on, man, just relax, enjoy yourself. That's it, 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 basically. It, it. It did seem to go a bit too far. Like, and yeah. I, I, at one point, I almost wondered: was Christian Horner about to weigh? You know, you know, we had it a couple of weeks ago where Lewis was complaining, and yeah. it was kind of going on a bit too much. And then Toto stepped in, being like, "Lewis, we know the car is awful." Like, I almost wondered if we were going to get a message from Christian Horner, being like, "Max, sh- like, shut up! Like, you just need to listen to what we're telling you to do here." Yeah. Um, but yeah, at least at least Red Bull are willing, and Jean Pierre Lambiassi is, is willing to like put Max in his place and tell him when he's wrong. Because you know the rest of the team is all, all is all his, but at least he can just you know face a bit of resistance from his engineer, and he's not always right. Um, yes, I, 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 and also kind of 
I find that quite strange for him to be in that sort of to be so sort of arsy when you know in the scheme of things he's got a massive lead. It was all to plan. Like it, it's not like they're Ferrari; they're making really rogue calls and they're telling him to do stuff. Like yeah, you know they're, they're being quite careful in managing him and looking after him. So I don't I don't see why he feels like he's got to be so like hop and like hot on it and just being like very arsy with them being like no no you should be listening to me or no I'm going to go and do access and you're like you're wrong like I, I don't so, I don't understand why he thinks that or is it or is it just his personality so I I'm not a psychologist but I I do think there's something in the fact that he's winning so easily and we've said this like a few times this season he is mm. bored he's driving mm. off into the distance he's getting bored he's you know he's trying to create a bit of friction over the fastest lap or like coming in for a pit stop when it's totally unnecessary to go for the fastest lap or whatever like he's inventing ways to keep himself entertained that's how easy it is for him at the moment and i do think there's a bit of like pent up kind of racer energy in there and he's just this weekend taken out on everybody because I, I, I do like think about it this way he's driving the best car he's got a massive advantage in the championship he's he's almost guaranteed to win the race if the car doesn't break down that's how yeah. dominant he yeah. and the car is are at the moment um and also he's driving one of the best circuits as we both agree one of the best yeah. circuits on the yeah. on the calendar and it's in a country in which he was born i'm a bit like you really should got, be enjoying this a lot more <laughs> and you've got a load of fans there like there's yeah. a lot of there was a lot of dutch fans there yeah, absolutely. So yeah, what, the whole thing was just a bit, um, a bit weird. And the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, maybe he's just a bit, he's a bit frustrated that he's not really got the, got the battle that he wants or needs. Because he is definitely one of those. I think like he thrives when he's, and he like he was great, you know, twenty twenty one and Abu Dhabi, all the rest of it. But he was unreal that season because of the, yeah, because of the battle with Lewis. I think he yeah. needs, he needs someone, he needs some competition. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that most sort of engaged he seemed, the most sort of excited he seemed was not you know, getting out of the car and celebrating or not, you know, being on the podium was actually in the cool down room where it's become the Max Verstappen podcast where he has different guests every week. <laughs> and he, he generally seems to be very intrigued and really, really enjoying the conversation with both Checo and Charles about the race and sort of catching up with them. That's the sort of most alive he's felt or came across over the TV. Um, mm. but yeah, I think you're right. I think there must be some sort of frustration by it being a bit all too easy, you know, and I'm hoping, you know, this is probably very unlikely, but this is a, a pipe dream I have is that he gets so bored. He wins so dominantly this year and he doesn't like all the travel and sprint formats. He goes at the end of the season. He goes, you know what? I've had the perfect season. That's my, that's my lot. I'll leave now. <laughs> you think he'll retire age 24 or five, whatever it is. Yeah. Maybe not the end of the season, but if he has another season like that next year, it wouldn't surprise me if he's, he's, he said that before that, you know, he's not in it for records and stuff. He generally doesn't seem fast about winning all yeah. the time um i do i want to see like i really like i do really rate him like he is an unbelievable driver there's no doubt about that but the, the last couple of years it's just been it's just been so dominant i can't i really want to see what happens when either another great driver is driving the same car as him yeah. or we get to see him race against another driver in another car that's a match for the red bull yeah. because yeah. It's, it's, it's quite hard, isn't it, at the moment to like index his greatness, for want of a better phrase, because he's had one season where he had a really good close one with, with Lewis. Yeah. Um, and it ended the way it ended, whatever. And that was great. And he was clearly a match for Lewis in, in a, lot of, on a lot of occasions. But we've talked before about those last three races that year, and he was soundly beaten on in all of them, in our opinion. Yeah. Um, I do really want to see like another Max Lewis or Max Charles or whatever, you know, or even <clears throat> Piastri, uh, <laughs> you know, in a really quick car and. I, I do want to see that at some point. So I'm not so much on the kind of hope he retires at the end of the season sort of vibe. But like, if we if we can't get a close battle, I'm with you. That would be good because yeah. we'll see we'll see a closer battle without him on the grid because he is so good. 
just just on indexing his performance and how great he is, I think I think today is actually probably one of the most important races to do that because today was the first time we've seen him go up against his teammate in a while, mm. and the fact that he was you know twenty seconds ahead at the end, but also started you know from sixth, and his teammate had a you know several place advantage, and and just the nature of the overtake on his teammate, like he he Checo just was just powerless completely in the way that Max closes the gap and just storms him. Like I you know I I really appreciate i thought i was really appreciative of his performance i thought you know that that is someone that is incredibly at one with that car and the two yeah. of them mixing together um so i think i think today is quite an important one for that you know a lot of other races when he qualifies pole and finishes first by 30 seconds you can't really take much from that being like well yeah that's a good performance and mm-hmm. it probably will be come the end of the season when he's won you know what 18 19 races and Checo's won two three then that that will be as well um but yeah you know, I think I think you're absolutely on the money. The fact that the one of the greatest Formula One seasons in history was 2021, where it was two very different drivers with two different cars at the absolute peak of their powers, slugging out across a full season. Mm. You know that that was what Formula One needs to be, and you know we just we just have to pray. You know, I have to pray to the Formula One gods that Ferrari. Mercedes, Red Bull, and uh, not Red Bull, Aston Martin, McLaren, someone can produce an amazing car that really takes it to the Red Bulls next year. Um, But, you know, it's not looking, it's not looking too promising at the moment. Mm -hmm. Should we come on to McLaren? Because they've had two podiums over the last couple of weekends. Uh, They're definitely up on the rise. Lots to sort of uh, digest from this weekend. Um, I should put my hands up and say I was playing golf when the sprint race is on. But do you want to just cover cover off the sprint race and and why Oscar Piastri is slowly becoming quickly <laughs> becoming your one of your absolute faves this season he is yeah I mean I, I said before I really love I just love the way he like engages with the sport and talks to people and he's just so chill about everything um and he doesn't he doesn't seem very um Formula One drivery in terms of being that needy kind of uh annoying driver that like constantly moans about everything um no, he uh, the sprint race is actually quite good. Uh, sorry to say, you missed a good, you missed probably the better one. Um, it was well, quite that's, good. That's good for the format, though. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I think yeah, it was a good weekend for Stefano Domenicali um, and pushing the sprint races. So, um, uh, they they obviously took off on the start of the at the start of the race, and then a load of drivers came straight into the pits to change for inters from full wets. Max did not, um, so he stayed out. We had a similar situation. I don't know if you remember to when Hamilton started on pole. Was it? Yeah. Where Hungary. was it? Hung- Hungary. That's right. Yeah. And everybody last, came in. And... Uh, last year, was it? Yeah. And how was it? No, no, it's 21. 21, Two yeah. Years ago. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Piastri put in a really good like outlap um, and took the lead and drove very well. Managed to keep Max at bay for a few laps, but not not for too long, as you might imagine. Um, and then, yeah, we saw some other kind of hijinks. I mean, we'll, maybe we'll talk a bit about Mercedes and Hamilton in a minute, um, who was subject of some madness. Um, but no, the sprint race was pretty good. But Piastri performed really well, I think. Like, he did a really good job, finished second in that. Um, and, yeah, generally drove really well. And then, yeah, the race was a bit less good for him. So he, yeah, he, he and Sainz came together on in, in the first corner. Uh, which... I'll, I'll tell you what, who, who, who do you blame for that? Was he to blame or was it Simon? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, so I don't think Piastri's to blame. Maybe this is my rose, already my rose tinted Piastri <laughs> goggles going on. He's got um, straight to your heart already. Yeah, I don't think so. So I, I did watch it the first time and I thought, oh, Piastri's like tried to stick the nose into a corner there. He's not really got much right to. 
but there was space for him and Sainz had quite a bit of space to his left with Hamilton. Like I looked at the yeah. overhead and I, cause I thought, Oh, if Sainz has nowhere to go and it's an option between taking the corner as he is and cutting Piastri up, he probably shouldn't be sticking his nose in there anyway, or driving to the side of Hamilton. I know which one of those options is probably preferable, but then I looked again at the overhead and there was a good foot and a half, two foot of space to his left. He could have moved, he could have left enough space there for Piastri and didn't uh, and turned in on him. And Sainz has done this a few times actually on the first corner. He can be a bit aggressive in that situation. So, I don't know. I think Piastri had every right to go for the gap. With hindsight, I think if he'd had another year in the sport, he probably wouldn't have done. Yeah. Um, because it is just a bit, it's a little bit kind of rookie-ish, I think, to try and try and stick it in there. But he had every he had every right for my money. And yeah, Sainz was probably just a little bit, uh, he slammed the door in his face a little bit too much when he didn't have to. And that, it took them both out in the end. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily blame one more than the other, but I think, I think Sainz could have left a bit more space personally. So my view, and this is I'm going to give it now. I I think uh, Signs was to blame, and I'm giving my Latifi. Oh, that, boom! Because I mean, like we said, there weren't many key moments to give Latifi's to, and that was I think that was one of the few the ones what we were. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll give the the main reason was because of that because you know he, he only had to look in his wing mirrors to check that that uh, Piastri was was literally right there, and it did look like he just didn't look, and then just turns the car in. And I think you're right. It, 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 you know, for Piastri to go for that gap, he has a right to, but it would have been quite tight. And also, is is was it a risk worth taking so early on in the race? Probably mm-hmm. not, because you know, if he just hangs a little bit further back, he can then probably make a move on him. Uh, and you know, obviously, obviously, the damage then then really affected his race. He retired what two laps later, yeah. and then it, you know, Sainz retired a few laps later. Um, but it's quite interesting that they are both. Uh, in our both we both had them in the yes. game so we'll see what that <laughs> means after the break um but yeah i'll give i'll give my other reason to uh to signs when we get we'll come on to Ferrari in a minute but um yeah i yeah a bit of a shame really because i think like you say past you we had such a good saturday um yeah. and it's interesting the mclaren car is definitely on the rise and it's definitely better than the car that started the season but it is i i did i'd surprised that david croft didn't uh come up with this but like this is my own David Croftyism. Mm. It's a very Jekyll and Hyde car because when it was dry, it was absolutely terrible. Lando seemed to be really struggling, and he was quite passable. Um, I think quite a few drivers managed to get past him in quite quick succession at one point. I think George and maybe Ocon got with him in like two or three corners. So he made two overtakes during the entire race, and both times it was in the corners, not on the straights. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. So, so McLaren. So I, I agree. It, yeah. It's I, so. And the reason I'm laughing about this is because I watched Norris's post-race interview, and right. it, it's worth a look. It is really funny. It's like two and a half minutes long, but it's basically him feeling quite sorry for himself. Um, and he 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 said, yeah, I passed two people and both times it was during the corners, and I think, don't know how many times he got overtaken on the straight, but it was a lot. But basically, McLaren just made a, the, the setup the wrong setup call. They set up for yesterday for yesterday, right. put too much downforce on the car, and it was too slow on the straights, and it just kept being picked off all the way through the race. Yeah. Um, and I've written in the notes Norris Bantz, and the reason I've written Norris Bantz is because McLaren pulled an absolute strategy call out of a hat. Uh, like really towards the end of the race, put him on soft tires and Lando undercut 10 cars to finish in the points Wow! with the soft tire on. So that must have been the bit I dozed because I missed that bit. Yeah. No, so I mean, well, this is it. Like he didn't overtake anybody on track. They just pitted him, put him on the soft tire, left him to it. And he did such a good job and everybody else took too long to move back to the soft tire from the medium. So by the time he'd got, you know, by the time they all come in, he'd overtaken 10 cars. Place undercut a lot of them and then he had to manage his ties to the end did a great job and picked up the points yeah I, I like it was a really good race for norris considering how slow the car was on the straights like mm. yeah by all rights he should have been much further down 
Yeah, but the re- so the reason why I think it was like a Jekyll and Hyde car is because in the in the dry, like I say, this looks awful, and then mm. in the wet, it just, the, the car came alive, and he looked, mu- it just looked much quicker watching it on the TV. And I think I must have been those those overtakes I saw. Um, but uh, yeah, fair play to him for undercutting because that that is that smart strategy call as well. <clears throat> and I think I think I saw saying something saying that uh, Andreas Stella, the team principal, was saying. They really need to sort out their setup and the car before they go to Monza because if they if they if the car drives like that at Monza, they will be last because yes. you know, there's literally no need for downforce and it's just going to be they're going to be a laughing stock, I think. Yeah, no, they're very good at kind of high downforce aero circuits. Um, well, re- yeah, relatively high downforce aero circuits, but um, yeah, less less good on the circuits with big straights. And yeah, Monza is um, Monza's a power circuit, isn't it? So yeah, they'll have exactly. to um, find a. A smaller wing, I think, smaller wings to put on the car, definitely. And from one team, beginning with them, should we go on to another? Mercedes. Yep. Um, bit of a meh weekend. Um, yeah. Like, no, you know, my thoughts really on it were like, there's no real race pace at all from Mercedes at all. You know, Lewis, yes, he finished fourth, but couldn't really get close to Charles. I think Charles managed to manage that gap quite comfortably. And probably the only highlight for Lewis from the whole weekend was pitting with a lap to go. And then getting the fastest lap, um, and I think he will have he will have hated it the fact that he crossed the line just as Max was getting out of his car. Like you know, that's how big the gap was. I don't mm-hmm. think he will have enjoyed that. Um, but also, he was the uh, on the end of a pretty dodgy, pretty weird decision on the Saturday in the sprint race. Yeah, I would which, say which yeah, I've seen. Some... Well, which, which that's the only thing I've seen from the sprint races is, is the move on Checo, and then just some of the the coverage of yeah said move and penalty. So so. I think even the most fervent Lewis Hamilton hater would have described that as harsh. I think Lewis yeah. Hamilton fans would probably say it was scandalous. Really, it was it was bad. I'll, I'll call it. I'll call it scandalous. I, am sat, <laughs> I actually am sat here wearing my Mercedes T-shirt. You are. So I'll, I'll do that. And yeah. Because he, you know, he. So from the clip that I'm that I saw online, they're, they're going. They're pretty even him and Checo, and they're turning into a right hand corner, and Matt uh, Lewis is just a. Is he just ahead or is he just just like is he just gaining on him? And then Lewis has got his steering wheel like locked in position, and then Checo seems to come across and hit hit like collide with Lewis a little bit, and Lewis gets the penalty. And I don't think it's Lewis taking an aggressive line. I think that's just the line that Lewis would have taken, and he didn't change it to sort of ram into him. No, I, I, but I, yeah, I feel it pretty pretty harsh for that really when he, or if, if anything it was a racing incident it wasn't deliberate and he didn't you know it wasn't like he pushed him off into the gravel but no. um, well, what did you make of it no I, t- I totally agree with you it's a nailed on racing incident how how he ended up with a penalty for that i have no idea um he was he was more than alongside i mean he was definitely ahead at one point um and then he had the inside line into the corner at which they they connect they uh, made contact and yeah, I think, I mean, maybe there's an argument like he could have, I mean, I don't know if he could have left more space, really. I mean, it's pretty wet. Like, it's not like there's loads of grip for him to steam around the inside and leave Checo loads of room around the outside. And he had every right to, even if he wanted to, he could have moved across him a little bit because he had the inside line around the corner. Um, so, yeah, it was just really, really stupid decision. Um, stewards came close to getting a Latifi, actually, but I feel like they've had too many. And Max's <laughs> whining on the radio annoyed me more. So. And he's won I've, too many races as well. Yes, he has. Yeah, he has. Yeah, it's probably cumulative, isn't it? Partly. Um, yeah, maybe if that had happened in the Grand Prix, I'd feel I'd feel a bit differently. But in the sprint race, it's just a bit like meh. Okay, I mean, it's cost him four points or something. So, yeah, yeah, whatever. And, and one of the things you've been saying for a while is that like this is the season we're seeing sort of the real dynamic 
uh, and the real sort of talent of Mercedes drivers and like who's yeah. the better one of the two. I mean, last year, Russell did probably really well, whereas this year, uh, Lewis is quite clearly doing better than him in the car. Yep. What 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 are your sort of latest thoughts after this weekend? Because Russell was never really anywhere in the conversation that or anywhere near Lewis at all from from you know from the race no. qualifying. Yeah, so I mean George did a really good job last year, but I still firmly maintain that Lewis basically went through a kind of post Abu Dhabi depression. hiatus, depression, whatever you want to call yeah. it, because um that was shocking. It took him a while to get over it. And I think as well, like when you see two other teams so much further ahead than you and you're driving a car that's like damaging your back like there must yeah. be a point at which you're a bit like maybe my uh maybe my excitement for this isn't quite what it was <laughs> uh, <laughs> whereas he's come back he's come back this year and um he's back at he's back at his usual level i think and um yeah. unfortunately for george russell that level is a level above him which is which is to be fair though, to be fair to george though he's still you know this is only his second season yep. at a top top team and that is still at a time when the car is just so unpredictable and it's you know, he's not a reliable car. So he, he's still, you know, he's not failing. At, he's not doing a Valtteri Bottas. He's not failing at Mercedes. Yeah. But just the, the sort of the battle between teammates is, is quite clear this season, I think, between between everyone that can everyone see that we can see that, that Lewis is much stronger. Yeah. And the, the main issue for George really has been qualifying, actually. Like his race yeah. pace has been really good. He always seems to pull the car up into the points wherever he starts, um, which is a good sign. Um, but yeah, he seems to just get, be getting absolutely spanked and qualifying every weekend. Um, so I'm not really sure why that's happening um particularly this weekend when qualifying happened in the wet and he had a higher downforce setup than lewis did and he's still got you know, lewis, i don't know i don't know lewis definitely like there's something about him at the moment he just looks on it um how long that lasts if the car doesn't uh get near the front um i don't know but at the moment yeah he does look on kind of back to lewis hamilton goatedness levels um yeah. fortunately but yeah no george is doing a really good job and you're absolutely right yeah he's only been in the team two years the car i'm sure from a setup perspective is probably biased towards lewis's style more than his this season yeah. um which is probably right to some extent i think because he, he doesn't like this car as much as the no sidepod car which is yeah quite quite an interesting even though it's much in- much faster yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes well, that tells you a lot in itself that you know he's obviously that, that probably favored his style a lot more than than the, the current sidepod version. Yeah. Yeah. But no, not not, not a terrible weekend for Mercedes. Like, you know, it's pretty similar to last time, actually. And we just both cars in the points. Yeah. A pretty mere weekend. They're not really competing for anything more than a podium here and there. Um, but they'll they'll finish second, I'm pretty sure of that, in the championship. Yeah, well, well, Lewis is about to take Alonso in the championship. He's only a point behind. Which yeah. Will, and that, and uh, Charles and uh, George are on equal points. So I'm sure they'll, that'll be quite a good battle to watch as well. Mm. Um. And I think, you know, going into, into the summer break, I think Mercedes will still just be so frustrated at where they are. And, and, you know, the car, obviously this car is quicker and better, but it's still not got them. I'd, I, I'd love to know, is it meeting the targets they set for when they change the approach? Is it, is it delivering them what they thought it was going to be? Or are they have they encountered like many problems they didn't see coming? Or is the car doing things they just didn't see coming in the simulator? Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd love to know what's got, like the internal discussion at Mercedes about the car. Um, because... I still don't think that Lewis is fully happy with way the way things are going. I do think there's a bit of frustration from George as well about the car as well. It seems to take them quite a while to zero in on a setup they're happy with, doesn't it? Every yeah, every yeah. weekend they yeah, seem to have yeah. the same issue. Like free practice one doesn't go very well. Free practice two it goes a little bit better, and then by the time they get to the end of FP three and before qualifying they're somewhere. Yeah, but they don't seem like for, you know for Red Bull and others like they just seem to just breeze through a weekend, hit the top of the timesheets every session, and happy days. Yeah. 
Well, Hungary was the perfect example of that, right? The car looks terrible and the performance in FP1 2 was really bad. And then Lewis gets pole on, on Saturday. Like, you know, to, yeah. to, to turn it around that much is quite quite amazing. But you're right. And also some weekends they've they've even not they got to the race and still not found the right setup because that, that's what happened in Austria, wasn't it? They, yeah. Lewis hated the car setup because they just couldn't get it right for him. So just while we're chatting about Lewis, I've got a little prediction for you. Ooh, so I mean, you know I predict him to absolutely batter Russell this season, which yeah. seems to be going quite well. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to th- predict him to finish second in the Drivers' Championship. He's 41 yeah. points behind Checo. Yeah, I can see that. 10, what is it, 10, 11 races to go? 10 races to go. Yeah. There you go. 41 points, I reckon. He can make those up. Yeah. If, if, if On the proviso, Mercedes pull themselves together and um, can well, compete for more podiums. He, he's but. more of a short bet to reliably score podium positions than Checo's, right? I think so. And I think he's like Mercedes and Hamilton are definitely better than Alonso right now. So if anyone's going to chase one of the Red Bulls down, it'll be him. Yeah. Um, Well, I think we should cover Aston in our mid-season review, which we're going to do next week. Yeah. We we teased this in our last episode where we were talking (laughs) about, oh yeah, so do the mid-season review without thinking that Spa was actually in in July. But uh, yeah, we will actually discuss that because I think Aston are an interesting team this season from such a strong start to sort Mm. of nothing now and Alonso as well I think we can definitely talk about him yeah um just before we go to a break I feel like they always get the pre-break or the post-break slot uh is Ferrari what what did you make of their weekend uh great that Charles is uh you know qualified well got pole position because of Max's uh, grid penalty uh Ben was was able to sort of keep hold on to a podium position as well and he generally seemed quite happy what what did you make of of their weekend and the performance of of the Scuderia much better um i mean we sort of we predicted this or i think we talked a bit about it at the uh the end of the the hungry gp podcast because um because of the nature of spa and the fact that the the ferrari is a very low drag car this year i, I always felt like they were going to perform a bit better here and i wasn't necessarily sure they'd beat mercedes but um they they did so yeah a pretty good weekend i think charles leclerc is pretty happy with third like it's not going to get any more than that um realistically in a in a power on a power circuit with two red bulls that's just not going to happen but There'll be other opportunities for them this year, I'm sure. Sainz obviously had his issue in Turn 1. I feel like there's a lot of points left on the table there. I don't, I don't know if he beats Lewis necessarily to fourth, but it would have been pretty close, I think. Um, and they were really fast on the straight, so I feel like if he got within a second with DRS, he probably would have made that pass. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they've definitely left some points on the table there. But, yeah, much a much better weekend, much better showing, but at a circuit which we always felt like was going to favour them. So... Yeah, we'll see. I think Zandvoort will be a much more difficult weekend for them. Actually, um, not that I want to give you any, any or you know, suggest any uh, suggestions for uh, the next round of predictions if you pick a for if you happen to get a Ferrari driver. Okay, that's, that's helpful. But to I know think they'll struggle. Be, okay, that's helpful to know. <laughs> um, I was going to say, you definitely get a sense that Charles has kind of got out of that slump he's had over the last. You know, remember that period where he was making mistakes and he just looked really unhappy. Mm. You definitely, you can definitely tell he seems much happier when the car is doing really well. Which I know it sounds really obvious, but um, yeah, much, much happier. And he seemed really you know, pleased to be third at the end of the race as well. It's just, it's just Ferrari, just an odd team. And, I, and my favorite um, meme of the weekend was like, uh, it was like it was a photo of Charles and Carlos in their in their overalls. And they're like, oh. Charles and Carlos were their with their favorite strategists. Uh, their you know their their strategists, <laughs> and it was basically Charles and Carlos in their um like non race races because as we joked and said before, they're much better at coming up with their own strategy than uh than the actual team are who the whole 
that that whole strategy unit at, at Ferrari. Yeah, definitely. So I I think Charles is in the same way Lewis took a while to get over Abu Dhabi. I think Charles taken a little while to get over how badly last season went, uh, particularly yeah. the second half of it. And now he's he seems much more in the groove, just focused on driving the car. And yeah, mentally, I feel like he's in quite a good place, really. So and that's you know considering how bad that car's been for a lot of this season, I think that's pretty commendable, really. So um, yeah, I think as long as as long as they can make progress and demonstrate they're catching up a bit, I think they'll they'll keep those drivers happy. But as we've talked about so many times, we're never far away from some cataclysmic Ferrari mistake uh, that winds both drivers up. Well, just just to compare Ferrari's season from this year to last year, at this mm. point in the summer break, they had uh, 334 points. So obviously mm-hmm. won a couple of races. Uh, and this season, they're on 191. So they've massively, I mean, yeah. regressed, but also that's because of Red Bull as well. But um, I think they're one of the biggest teams that have probably got worse year to year than than anyone else whereas other people have either maintained or got slightly better let's go to a quick break and we'll we'll discuss the rest of the race straight after this Hello, welcome back from the break. Hope you had a jolly old time. Uh, we had a very jolly old time. I just realised there's a pause button on, in our recording button, so I can, uh, you know, makes life much easier for editing. But anyway, that's a small inside behind the scenes of uh, <laughs> how we make the lights out podcast. Um, one thing we should do before we get onto predictions, well, there's two. Th- I know there's two areas we want to cover, but one feature we should bring back, um, having you know scattered it throughout the season so far, is William and Williams. Another great weekend for Williams. Sadly, no points. Uh, <laughs> Albon was fourteenth and seventeenth, but I think the actual the actual performance was, you know, without the race, we were resting, resting each other. Go like, God, Albon is absolutely flying. Or another great move from Albon. Yeah, he he looks like a man on a mission at the moment. He just seems in such a, a purple patch of form. I, I think you know we might do this in our mid season view, but I think for me, he's probably one of the drivers of the season so far. Um, really, really. Imp- impressive performance then a shame it was 14th and 17th um i think the three stop kind of did did albon out of points yeah. um and sergeant was okay it didn't feature much in the coverage um but what 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 did you make of of williams weekend ah oh, such a shame it's such mm. a, it's such a shame because the car is perfect for spa it really is it's low drag high power brilliant like it's and we saw that so the i agree i think the three stop was a big mistake uh for williams particularly because the car's so difficult to overtake. They should have just held track position, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think Albon was 10th at the time they pit- pitted him. Um, and they left him with too much to do, basically. They put him on softs and he did well. I think he came out 17th and made up like three places um, over the last four laps or something. But um, yeah, left him with too much to do. And it is a shame. I feel like this would have been a really good way- race for them to pick up points. But hey, hey, hey not to be. Um, and both both drivers featured in our predictions as well. So we'll talk about them in a bit. Um yeah, but no, the car they've done a really good job the start of the season. I mean, the worry always, as as we talked about, I think right at the very beginning in Bahrain, is that they were going to get outdeveloped by some of their rivals, and that started to happen. Um, I mean, like take McLaren as a good example. Like the car was absolutely nowhere, and now all of a sudden they're up there, you know, challenging for points and podiums pretty regularly in the last three races. So you can't really acqu- account for that necessarily um, from a Williams perspective. So it's become a bit more difficult to pick up points. But um, yeah, still they've done a really good job. They are definitely not the slowest car on the grid. Um, 
and yeah, fingers crossed they can they can go through some really good developments and stuff over the summer and come back strong. Uh, afterwards, I don't think Zandvoort's going to be great for them. There are there are a few actually um, immediately following the summer break that don't look great for a, from Williams' perspective, but they'll pick up some more points towards the end of the season. Hopefully, fingers crossed, Logan Sargent can get a point as well because he remains the only one without one. I feel like Logan Sargent point in the U.S. Grand Prix in Texas would be great. I feel like that would, that be, would be a good. that would be a maybe, nice, maybe nice one in one in one in Vegas as well, just to. You know, get one in both in two of his three, two of the three American races would be quite nice as yeah. well. I, I was just going to say on Williams, I was just thinking then, what what is actually really nice to see? And I've like, I think I texted this year at the when I was watching the race, like it's just so good to see them doing well again. I think for a couple, you know, for a good couple of years, they were just in a league of their own at the back, mm. and they were just, you know, the car looked terrible, and they just, you know, they were really not in the conversation at all. And luckily, we don't really have a team that badly that was so bad like so far behind than everyone else so it's it's nice to see them overcome that and and hopefully it's like seeing a team like mclaren bring a couple of upgrades and shoot up the grid you know i'd love to see williams get a bit a bit higher up because i think in albon they've just got such a good driver that is exactly what they need for their for their team and you know hopefully the the time and the resources they're putting into to sergeant pays off because you know that's that's a valuable seat they they've got and that can make a massive difference in the amount of prize money they get, and then what they can then yeah. spend in future years as well. But I think they're obviously co- they're, they're obviously benefiting a lot by the the cost cap because it's meaning they're not being outspent really, which I think is you know really really good to see that 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 that, that rule is working. But yeah, great to see um see Williams doing well. Yeah, no, they're definitely a midfield battle, um, which is a long way a long way from where they were. And um, yeah, the James Vowles bandwagon continues to rumble along nicely. He's so he's so good, isn't he? When he was he, great. Yeah. He was on the radio again, like they were, yeah, they were yeah. talking to him during the race. It's brilliant. Yeah, just really how good. calmly explained, you know, he, he probably explained it before going to sort of talk about it. We usually get, you know, you usually get someone like Christian Horner or Otmar Safnauer just be like, "Yeah, this is what we're doing. Thanks very much, bye." Whereas he was like, <laughs> "Yeah, so what we're doing is, you know, because of the car gra- the the car deg the deg on the tires, we're gonna do." He's got, he's got a very soothing voice, I think, James Vowles. He does. Um, I feel like he'd be very good in a crisis. Mm. Agreed. Um, should we quickly cover Alpha Tauri? Yep. Yuki, he's got another point. He it's has. been a while, but he's, he's got another point. Yeah, yeah and that, he loves that one point in 10th position. Um, <laughs> three points in total over the season now. Uh, I think the last two were, Ab- was it Abu Dhabi? And, uh, no, not Abu Dhabi. Azerbaijan and Australia. Australia yeah. The last time he got the points. But a good performance from him. Uh, he looked mightily quick in that car as well. Mm. Um, good to see him. Danny Rick, bit out of the conversation, didn't feature at all. He, he was soundly beaten by his teammate this weekend mm. um, which is kind of I think Yuki needed that actually like he needed this weekend probably big time because obviously Ricardo did did it big time in Hungary didn't he like um, finished ahead of him despite having that really big incident uh, really that incident at the start of the race and coming from the back so he needed to put him in a good performance and did out qualified him comfortably um, outperformed him in the race picked up a point um, you can't ask for much more than that really in an Alpha Tauri so yeah I think Yuki should go into the summer feeling very happy about things there's a good, there's a good sort of debate in that team about who is the leader of that team now because, you know, with De Vries alongside him, it was clearly Yuki and Yuki stepped up into that position after you know Gasly departing. Mm. Whereas you know, it, it, that could be quite a good battle between the two. And so who's the number one driver? Or who's you know who's going to stab himself as the leader? Because yes, Yuki's been there for longer, but Ricardo is much more experienced and has won what seven races. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think I think that's going to be one of the teammate battles to watch throughout the rest of the season. I think definitely, and also thinking like 
the, what, how the last few weeks have gone, all the chat about the fact that Ricardo's gone back to AlphaTauri as a bit of an audition to get the the Red mm. Bull drive. I feel like Yuki must have taken something from that, like a real resolve, I think, because he knows he's driving the same car as Ricardo. He's been in it longer than he has. If anybody should be being discussed for a Red Bull seat, yeah, it should yeah. be him, really. Like That yeah, should yeah. be his view of things. That's a really um, good point because there's been no sort of chat of of like Yuki being a potential yeah. number two at Red Bull, whereas you know that he is a young driver. Um, yeah, yeah and like, he's quick he, and yeah. yeah, yeah. He probably he probably views it as a really good opportunity to like, if I can beat Ricardo, then I put my name in the conversation. But I mean, I think to do that, he needs to start scoring a lot more points rather than just one point every other week, every few weekends. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's tough asking in that car because it is mightily slow on some circuits. Yeah. But um, no, he did really well today to pick up tenth. That's uh, no mean feat. I think part there's definitely something in there about you know, McLaren's losing one draw. Yeah, so like the fact that Science and Piastri are both out of the equation. Norris had a bit of a shocker, but pulled it back together with the strategy call. Williams made a bad strategy call. Like a lot of things came together for him to earn that mm. point, but still, like you can't you can't sniff it sniff it really when you get one. So yeah, hopefully they can um, they can pick up some more as the season goes on, but it's not going to be easy. It's, still, it's just going to be an absolute slugfest, I think, for them uh, yeah. towards the back of the grid. The main battle for Yuki is with Danny Ricciardo, I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, one thing we've not mentioned is Pierre Gasly getting third place in the sprint race, which mm. came as a real surprise. Um, we're not going to go into it this weekend, but there's been a lot of drama uh, at Alpine with a lot of their top team leaving very suddenly mid-season, you know, yeah. It was announced on Friday that their team principal, Otmar Sofenauer, was leaving at the end of the race. And there's a video that was going around on Twitter of him leaving as the race started, like leaving the circuit. I don't, I don't know how true that is because I then did see another video of him leaving the hospitality unit after the end of the race. But um, there's obviously a lot of drama going on. You know, Alpine, uh, a big manufacturer team, formerly Renault, they've also had the money of Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney and Michael Jordan come into the Michael B. Jordan, sorry, <laughs> come into the uh come into them as well. They've obviously got two star French drivers, but all all is not well at the uh the French team. And so I think one of the one of the episodes we're gonna do during the summer break is a bit of a deep dive looking at what's going on, talking through who's left, uh, and sort of what that means for the sport. And it, and what's quite helpful is people like Otmar Safnauer and Alain Prost, uh that we've covered before <laughs> have have made quite public comments about what's going on at Alpine, and so I think that gives us something to sort of go off and look at and look at in a bit of detail. So, um, not the next episode, but the episode after that, I think we're going to cover Alpine and, and take a bit of a deep dive into what's going wrong and what's going on there as well. Um, that's that's a bit of a teaser for you. Now let's go to the predictions game, where we've we've covered it off that we've both had Piastri and Signs. Uh, You'll, I'll let you give a refresher, but uh, I feel like this could be quite a high-scoring one this weekend. Yes, it is by far and away the highest-scoring weekend um, across well, both well of done us. Well done us. Yeah, we've done very well. <laughs> I mean, it had to happen sometime. We have joked a few times about what happens when we get a front-running car. Is there, is there a lights-out record for the predictions game? Is there a new record? Uh, you are the proud holder of a new record, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was me previously. I think also for a McLaren, funnily enough, it was Norris. And I think I predicted him to finish like seventh and he finished last or something stupid. Oh, um, just McLaren, just McLaren. on pace, by the way. That wasn't even a DNF. Um, yeah. Terrible. But uh, so unfortunately for you, you had Oscar Piastri oh, and you optimistically predicted fifth place. Which could have been quite reasonable. Uh, no, no, probably wouldn't have been. He quite, I mean, he obviously qualified well, but probably would, he probably wouldn't have held on to that, would he? Mm. 
No, I don't think so. Because Sainz is probably there in the conversation at that point. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, he finished... Uh, well, so his final classification was 19th. No, 20th. Yeah, 20th. it was 20th last year. So you pick up 15 points for Oscar. Oh, God. So that's the record. Congratulations, someone you win. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it got better. So you had Hamilton. You predicted him to finish in thir- uh, third. Yeah, he picked up fourth. So he picked nice. up one point for Lewis. Very nice. good. His goatedness did, did you proud there. And then, unfortunately, just like I did, uh, you got sucked into the Williams hype and had Alex Albon uh, predicted to finish eighth. And he finished in 14th. So he picked up six points for a total of 22. Oh. Dear. Yeah, which is a bit rough. Now I obviously Not lucked ideal. out big time this week. I got Max um, first place, etc. Um, so points. zero points for that one. I did have Carlos Sainz, um, who I fin- who I predicted to finish in sixth, and he finished in nineteenth. Uh, he managed to keep the car going a bit longer than Piastri did, so he gets that extra place. <laughs> Lucky dog, uh, and he picks up thirteen points. I should just say on signs. I forgot to say this when we talk about Ferrari. Yeah, the, the, the other reason why I'm giving him the Latifi, I should just interject with this now. Sorry, to, sorry, to interrupt you. No, mid, no, go mid- ahead. Flow. Um, was why on earth did they keep running him for so long with damage? I don't know. That deserves a Latifi in itself, but yeah, yeah. You sorry, can't, we can't we can't give Ferrari a Latifi every week. <laughs> no, but he deserves that for, for his part in that decision. Sorry, back to the predictions game, but thank, yeah. thanks for the reminder on signs. No, no, that's all right. Uh, so that puts me on 13, and then I had Logan Sargent, uh, and I went 14th. Uh, and he finished in 17th, so I picked Ooh. up three points there. So I finished on 16, so I've closed the gap by six points this week. Wow. So I think it's back down to 14 or something, which, interestingly, is one less than you got for Piastri in one week. So, uh, hey. Hey, like so, uh, you know, game on. Yes, yeah, so, so you, you, you were defeatist <laughs> a couple of weeks ago when you thought the gap was too big. But look, look at this now. It only takes one, one 15, you know, 15 point place uh, from one person prediction. And then, you know, you know, you're straight back in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations to, on your win. Thanks, mate. Well, I was due. I mean, I don't know how many it's been. I t- I'll have a look. I'll have a look. So I'll I've been on a similar sort of run to, to Max. So I'm, I'm glad you have to been quite you've... dominant. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I've got a spreadsheet. Obviously, it's loading. Sorry, listener, about this, but uh, I'll be right with you. Right. Hungary. Will, GB, Will, Austria, me. Okay, so you, so you're on, you're on a run of two. Okay, but you've won three, four, four of the last five before today. So yeah, you're in quite good. You're in quite good form, to be fair. I'm in Red Bull sort of form at the moment. You are. Um, but yeah, no, the gap. Yeah, okay. So it's all, it's hope, all to play for. It's, it's all, all still, for. still all to play for. Yeah, the fact that it's yeah, it's it's below twenty with. Just about half the season left to go. Uh, it gives me some confidence. So, if, if it gives you, I mean, it's not not quite comparable. But after like eighteen holes of golf yesterday, the difference in scores between my brother and I was one. So wow! You know, over over several rounds, we'll have we'll have. I don't know how many rounds we'll have in total. This because we didn't start from the first race. Yeah. Um. You know, imagine if it comes down to like one or two points. That we, it's not impossible. No, it's not. No, no, it could be. It could be close. And so we're going to do the draw for Zandvoort. Uh, in the episode before Zandvoort. 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 Yes. Zandvoort. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> which, which they may call it. I don't know. Zandvoort. Sorry. That's, that's, my, that's my butchering of Zandvoort. <laughs> Zandvoort. Yeah. There let's do it. Uh, let's do it the week before the week immediately preceding. Because as well, as you've already talked about Alpine, I mean, they didn't get the memo. Silly season is supposed to start after the final race before the summer <laughs> break. Uh, they did not uh, get that one. And they've started the, the weekend. It's happening the, the weekend of the race. So, yeah, I think give it a few weeks. Um, 
and we'll probably see some I don't know we I'm not I'm not sure we'll see much with drivers actually. I don't think we'll see any moves. We might see a bit of like chit chat about drivers unless, moving. Unless but... something really rogue and something really big comes out. Like, you know, let's say for example, you know, something like really rogue would be like Leclerc going to Red Bull. Like something major like that happening, which I just we don't oh, see happening so now. Good. Or or Lewis saying, you know, I'm, I'm retiring at the end of the season. Like something something like really unexpected happening. I think that's that that's the level of the silly season we'll get this year. I think a lot yeah. of it will be quite routine. I think also because last year it will be so hard to top with uh, the Piastri, Alonso, Vettel yeah. reaction. That was great. Yeah. Also, I don't feel I feel like the only driver that was really, really doing genuinely terribly was De Vries, and he's been binned off already. Yeah, so he's gone. No, there aren't really any standout like drivers who have an absolute shockers at the moment. So, um, yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. Were you going to say something? No. no. Uh, all right, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thanks very much for joining us. Remember to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you enjoyed it, why don't you share it with a friend? Hopefully they enjoy it as much as Giampiero Lambiassi is going to enjoy a few weeks off from being Max's punching bag. Very good, very good. Topical as always. And Giampiero, if you are listening, I hope you do have a nice, peaceful few weeks because um, you've earned it. <laughs> and if you want, if you want some therapy, why don't you come on the podcast and we'll we'll hear your troubles. Absolutely. Uh, uh, do follow us on Twitter we are at Lights Out Lads and on Instagram we are at the Lights Out Pod uh, Will mid-season review coming next yes. week next week we're going to just sort of touch base on where we're at so far so we did earlier on in the season I think when Imla was it Imla when Imla got cancelled we looked at yep. um, like early things we've learned so far in the season I think that's come up with some good categories that we can sort of review the season so sort of best race best driver you know biggest underachiever all that sort of stuff um, so good, a good opportunity to sort of take stock. You know, we're twelve races in, we've got ten to go. Um, yeah, I think a really good opportunity just to sort of review review the season we're having so far, and just maybe look at a few other things or think about things in a different way than how we discussed post post race. So uh, yeah, make sure to listen next week. That's all from us. All the best and goodbye. Bye bye.